104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yes, it is. Another Sunday afternoon. Beautiful Sunday afternoon, by the way. And we are here talking about sports, Ned. I'm Joe Weston, by the way. How are you, Ned? Doing just great. The sun is out. It's warm. What more can you want? Have you mowed your lawn yet? No, but I'll tell you, it's getting to the point now where it might have to happen sometime in the next week or two. <laughs> really? Do you know you mow your lawn yourself, correct? Oh, heavens, yes. Sure. You like the heat. The hotter, the better. Ned is like a lizard. We have a heat rock in here for him. He just lays on it, <laughs> suns himself in the nude, by the way. Just thought we'd let you Which know that. Which is hardly an appetizing thought. <laughs> B-team with us tonight, the members, uh, or today, uh, John Oliver. John, how are you? I'm doing well. The weather's fantastic, and baseball is sprung eternal again. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Josh Roberts is with us. Josh, Hello. how are you? No, the grass is green in your world. Yeah, the grass is green in my world, always. <laughs> so where do you want to start out today? So much to talk about. I guess I guess let's let's start with Missouri State football. There was football yesterday, spring football spring yesterday. Football. And your hopes, Ned, were that North Dakota State was on the downhill slide. Well, they, they had their 39-game winning streak snapped two weeks ago by Southern Illinois, and it wasn't just snapped. It was obliterated 38-14. to 14. So my thinking was that perhaps North Dakota State isn't quite the omnipotent presence that they have been, and, and, and they aren't, in all honesty. They aren't quite as good with the backup quarterback. The kid's a transfer from Iowa State, but he is not Trey Lance, and Trey Lance who would have been a sophomore starting quarterback for Northern Iowa, is going to be instead a first-round draft choice in the NFL. That's why he opted out of school. Anyway, that's beside the point. Normally, the smart money out in Vegas does not put money on 1AA or FCS games. Or by put money, I mean establish a spread in those games. But because it's the only football going on now, they do. And Missouri State was a 19-and-a-half-point underdog. 19 and a half to a team that just lost? Ooh, that, that looks... Well, anyway, the minute they kicked it off and uh, started playing football, oh, Reynolds, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> because North Dakota State, while they probably are not as strong as they have been, still a very good football program that's big and quick and can beat you up pretty good. Now, Ned, I read the article about it, and they said that Missouri State had a chance to be in the game. They intercepted a ball and set themselves up in a pretty good field position, but then it's what Coach Bobby Petrino has been talking about. The turnover bug bit them. The very next play. Yeah. It was Ooh. a clean pick, and the kid, the quarterback, I'd forgotten his name, Nor- I think it's Norvell or something along those lines for, Northern I- for uh, North Dakota State, was not pressured. He went back, made a stance, fired a bullet pass, and the kid from Missouri State stepped right in front of it, picked it off. He was immediately tackled. But it was first and 10 to go for the Bears on the 28-yard line, I think it was, of North Dakota State. I mean, this is a great opportunity. What was the score at that time? Nothing, nothing. Okay. And uh, the very next play, very next play, the Bears quarterback rolled out to the left, gang tackled, coughed it up. North Dakota State recovered. And within, oh, a few more minutes, they were in the end zone. Touchdown. Now, they are not explosive. That's the way North Dakota State plays. They are not a flashy, glitzy team. They just beat the devil out of you. And that's what they did to the Bears. It's 25 to nothing at halftime. That was the final score, 25 to nothing. They, they played it very cool in the second half, ran the ball most of the time, played the clock. They're just a very bright, well-organized football team. The Bears are better from what they have been. They have some good talent on their team. They're not quite together yet. And uh, the rest of their schedule is daunting because the Missouri Valley is a good conference. Who's up next for them? What's... South Dakota. Okay. And that's in Vermilion, South Dakota, next Saturday. And that's a dome. But it's a small dome, only about you know, ten or 12,000, somewhere around there. Small but dome. come to think of it, that's bigger than the dome we have here in town. Oh, sure. <laughs> but the, uh, the uh, level of competition is uh, gradually getting better. The Dakota teams are all pretty good. Uh, North Dakota 
not to be confused with North Dakota State, but the University of North Dakota in Grand Forks is now undefeated and number one in this conference, and oh, they wow. have been very impressive. What was the size of the crowd yesterday? I would say 35, 3,600, somewhere around. They're not bad. It's a beautiful day for football, beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And the crowd was enthusiastic, but it just simply, the Bears, they did some things that disturbed me, and I think they disturbed Coach Petrino as well. They got hit with a myriad of penalties, many of which were unsportsmanlike conduct and personal fouls, Ooh, and really? that is inexcusable. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Well, we're still waiting on our uh, our complimentary tickets from AD Cal Moats. So if you know him <laughs> out there, you might get that message to him because we're uh, we're still wanting those. John, I know, uh, like me, you're a Missouri State graduate. What are uh, what are your hopes for the rest of the season? Uh, you know, as with it being my alma mater, I always wish them well. Um, I've I haven't heard any uh, bad news from Petrino, so that makes me happy. He seems to be doing a good job with the young men he has over there, and I I just like to see them have even if they could muster a couple of wins. I think that's a moral victory this season, and I think it builds well going into next season. He's He's obviously a good football coach. I have to say that. Uh, questionable life decisions at times. I've mentioned those in the past. <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of the day, I uh, I definitely want them to do well because, unfortunately, this this Missouri State football team has been maligned for many years. I'm going to add just a little bit to that, too. Coach Petrino knows fully well that it's a rebuilding program. Mm-hmm. Rebuilding in basketball is uh, a little bit more timely in terms of the momentum that it can achieve right away. In football, it takes a while because of the numbers of players who you have competing in the game. So a rebuilding process is taking place, but it is not going to be instantaneous. You come from an alma mater, Josh, by the way. You come from an alma mater that doesn't have a football program. It's true. Drury. Yeah, the Drury football <laughs> program ended in 1945. Really? Yeah. I didn't know they ever had one. Oh, they, yeah, played, they used, used to, to play, play Missouri State. Oh, yeah, they really? Played Missouri State, yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it was the insurance liability that made them in their program because players, <laughs> players were getting hurt, you know, it was in an era when – uh, you know, people were getting their necks broken and stuff. So, wow, dropping knowledge about Drury here. I love yeah. it. I love it. How did you? How did, is that part of a, a prerequisite at Drury, <laughs> along with basket weaving that you have to take? Right, that? right. It's underwater basket weaving, and then you have to uh, know Drury sports history over there too. They yes. mentioned that during the what? orientation section on neck breaking, the ways you can do that. that part of part of the hazing rituals. <laughs> Tape, tape to a tree and told to recite right. when they uh, the the insurance the last football team at Drury. Exactly. No. Uh, you know what? I I'll say this. I think I I'm glad that John is warming up to to Bobby Petrino mm-hmm. because I said from the beginning he's a good football coach. He's had a lot of success. Uh, the most difficult thing for him is what you said, Ned. This is this is a program. It's hard to recruit top tier players to a team like Missouri State. Because of all the other Division One teams that are so close, plus the fact that they haven't had that much success in their football program over the years, so you know, I, I, I'm kind of on board with John. I'd like to see them win a few games, get a little bit of momentum. That's going to help. Anything like that's going to help recruiting. And then I don't expect them to win a national championship, but I think they have a good enough coach that he could get the best out of his players and make them competitive in their conference. I think that's really the ultimate goal, too, yeah. uh, Josh, because they, they know fully well, they're realistic in what the situation is. Uh, look at their schedule for next year. Heavens, they open the season on September 4th at Boone Pickens Stadium Oof. in Stillwater. Thank you. Of course, last year they opened up with OU. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this year it's Oklahoma State, and that's every bit as good. So uh, that's, that's a tough way to open. But then they go right back into their uh, – FCS schedule and the Missouri Valley Conference, but the Missouri Valley Conference guys, while it is not the SEC or the Big 12, it is not very far below that. There's some very good athletic ball clubs. North Dakota State, look at the players they have in the pro. Northern Iowa populating the NFL with outstanding players. All of them. All of them have continued to improve greatly in the level of collegiate sports. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show in the studio with Josh Roberts, John Oliver, Ned Reynolds, myself, Joe Weston, and we're talking about Missouri State football. They uh, lost yesterday to North Dakota State 25 to nothing. Uh, 
Ned, the word culture gets thrown around a lot in sports. Coach Petrino obviously wants to establish a new culture at Missouri State, a winning culture rather than just this is who we are and what we're going to do. If you were the AD, what would you do to improve the culture and to improve Missouri State football? Begin with the recruiting of the lower-level players. And by lower level, I'm talking about their high school status. Uh, that's where you begin to develop these teams. It's with high school freshmen and bringing them in on a regular basis and being able to develop them into the program, which ultimately will take roots. Now, Coach Petrino doesn't have that luxury right now because he's got to go to the JUCO, the junior college, and the transfer ranks. He has a transfer from Alabama playing for them. He has a transfer from Cincinnati. It's a transfer from Michigan. In fact, I believe, I may need to be corrected on this, but I think it was the Michigan transfer who came up with that pick early in the ballgame. Very athletic individuals, but do they understand uh, the lifestyle and the cultures, and have they acclimated themselves to our part of the uh, country down here? And, and believe me, that makes a difference where you are and for whom you're playing. That may not be a tangible circumstance, but it is one that does resonate with the athletes, and you have to be able to absorb that. That takes time. That's where the building, starting as a freshman and building on up to your senior year, junior or senior year, whatever the case might be, really begins to take hold. It does take time. Well, I think the first step, of course, is getting a high-profile name like Bobby Petrino. I mean, he's a guy that, like ever, we've all discussed, he's a very good football coach. He's had a lot of success over his career. So you bring him in, and that's a great first step because instead of that recruit going, who's this guy? I've never heard of him before. They probably know the name Bobby Petrino and know the success he has and want to be part of that. So if they're a guy that's, you know, maybe – somewhere else in the spectrum and they're thinking you know not a top level recruit that this is a a good opportunity to get in with a good program and actually you know make a name for themselves well yeah joe that's that's a very good point you bring up yeah there is the name identification but you look at a team like the eight-time champs north dakota state who were champions when they were division two and it's carried over well they did it without necessarily big name coaches although the individual who previously coached there is now the head coach at Kansas State, and uh, they all seem to graduate on to upper-level jobs. <laughs> the coach at Jackson State, Jackson State's historically black school, but it is one one double A down in Jackson, Mississippi. That coach is 2-0 and o to start the season. You know what his name is? Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Oh, yeah. And, and he has, uh, he's won his first two games. Of course, he's getting... Uh, some very uh, good publicity uh, out of that whole thing, so that, which is fine. That's what you need. So, yeah, from that aspect, a name standpoint does come in. It's a big deal. It is, it's really uh, – kids look at that, and especially for Missouri State, it's going to be very important. Let's turn our attention to Missouri State basketball and football as we talk about college sports right now on Ned Talk. Missouri State Bears basketball, it looks like their season's come to an end. What uh, what do you think? Where do they go from here, Ned? That's a very good point. I'm glad you said that too. They are they uh, when you say come to an end, it has as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. There are no chance of getting in that NIT. I would think they'd be an NIT team, but this year the NIT is reduced at 16 teams instead of 32, and I think that does make a very big difference. Team finished at 17 and seven. They were 12 and six in the Missouri Valley Conference. I felt greatly improved over what they had been. But the thing that that I felt was the cohesive measure of basketball that Coach Dana Ford was able to have in. Isaiah Mosley and Gage Prim, who were the two key elements. You know, I looked at some of the stats the other day. When do you suppose Prim shot from the field? He's the second leading scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. But what do you suppose his percentage was? <sighs> it's a tenth of a point under 60 Yep. Oh, wow. He's shooting 60% wow, from the field. When well, you say, well, yeah, he's only two or three feet away from the basket, that's true. But at 6'8", a slim to down 6'8", he was overpowering bigger people than him to mm-hmm. do that. Very strong kid. He was a key, and Isaiah Mosley, the team leading scorer, just under 20 points a game. Those two come back, as does the rest of their squad, mm-hmm. or virtually the rest of their squad. They should be... And again, it's unfair to anoint a team as a championship contender. 
but it is not unfair to say this team has the capability of playing some exciting and winning basketball, and that's what I do see for them, assuming everybody comes back. Now, one of the problems that the Bears basketball program has had over the last several years is it is a stepping stone job. And has Dana Ford done enough at this point where there'll be some interest outside of Missouri State for him to get a new job? Do not know. I do not know. I'm not on the inner workings and the thought processes of those individuals. Dana is a very personable individual, very personable, meets the press well, meets the fans well. It's what the Bears wanted. Uh, from his X's and O's standpoint, I'm not educated enough to know. His record's 17-7, and seven, so mm-hmm. you assume that uh, the man knows what he's doing. But in terms of outside influences coming in and seeking, this, uh, seeking his help, in all honesty, I would think if there is a circumstance like that, it's more with Coach Mox than it would be with Coach Ford because Coach Mox's Lady Bears yeah. are nothing short of outstanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. They've had a, a winning culture here, though, for quite a while. And Missouri State Bears trying to rebuild a little bit on that. This, now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is Dana Ford's second year, third year? Third year. And you've yeah. seen improvement every year. But it's usually about the third year that we start seeing other programs sniff around our coach. Depending on what they have done. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. John, you, uh, like me, again, we'll go over this, Missouri State graduates. Mm-hmm. You, uh, We uh, both were... Charlie Spoonhauer kind of era guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you ever see lightning striking like that for us again? You know, this team in particular, you know, I've, I've of course followed Missouri State basketball, you know, ever, even before I went there, you know, having grown up here in Missouri. So you mentioned the Charlie Spoonhauer days, the Barry Hensons. Dana Ford is a different type of coach. He brings an energy with him that I love. And he's got some personnel. Ned hit it on the dot. I fell in love with Prim as a sophomore. He's so athletic. I think he has a chance at a pro career. NBA, I don't know, but I guarantee he will play overseas or developmental. He is a big body. He's a great shooter. Showed a little bit of immaturity at times last year, but he's a sophomore. You have to let that stuff go. Much more mature this year. Isaiah Mosley, incredible, incredible player. So, I mean, this is exciting. It reminds you of those teams that, you know, Steve Alford crafted with, you know, guys like, uh, you know, William Fauntleroy and Danny Moore and guys like that. I mean, this is a talented, talented squad. So, you know, when I look at this, there is hope. 17-7 and seven is nothing to sneeze at. That's a great season. They lost a lot of games to, you know, them being canceled because of COVID protocols. And I'm really looking forward to next season because I think there is a drive. This team, unlike last year, and Ned, we talked about this on the show, gelled, came together, played as a squad, not as five individuals just trying to improve their highlight reel. That, and that you can't have that. You yeah. cannot. That's just not ever going to win for you. And I think Dana realized this and, in mm-hmm. fact, admitted to it. But the team now that he has has learned the roles uh, Prim and Mosley play very well together. Yes. They have combined to make the whole offense a, a very difficult one to try to stop. In fact, I remember watching the game against Southern Illinois, which would have been about uh, two or three weeks ago, regular season game. They demolished yes, Southern Illinois with back picks and uh, pick and rolls and things like that. That's what you have to have to win. Mm-hmm. Spoon's Temple of Doom. Do you remember that, Josh? I do, actually. And how was, crazy Springfield was basketball crazy. I remember sitting in the library at Hickory Hills Elementary School when uh, SMS beat Clemson in the NCAA tournament. They let mm-hmm. us go into the library and watch the game mm-hmm. when I was in whatever whatever year of school that was. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love the, the history that the – SMS basketball team has had and and I would like to see I, I think from what you were saying earlier Ned I think um, if Dana Ford can get this squad into the NCAA tournament then there'll be other bigger clubs but bigger teams looking for him to, to uh, leave Josh it's what John said just a few minutes ago Ford is a different style coach guys this is not meant to be negative in any way but we will never 
never see the likes of Charlie Spoonhauer again. (laughs) He was a a once-in-a-lifetime individual. His influence on the public was once-in-a-lifetime. His abilities as a speaker, the guy was the funniest thing I've ever heard on two Mm -hmm. feet. (laughs) But watching him coach... Absolute genius. Mm-hmm. He did. He did some marvelous things with teams. In all honesty, that weren't you know Winston mm-hmm. Garland and Greg Bell and Kelby Stuckey, people like that. They were skilled athletes. But mm-hmm. overall, no, these are marginal athletes. And yet they go down and beat Clemson, outsmarted them, almost beat Kansas right. in the next game with Danny Manning. Yeah, Danny Manning. I remember his mm-hmm. last minute three pointer. Spoon, oh, yeah. Spoon said to me on the there's a day off. There's an interim day between those those two games, and we're interviewing him. I said, This is KU you're playing. Come on. Larry Brown and the Kansas Jayhawks and their great all America. What are you gonna do? He said, I'll tell you exactly what we'll do, Ned. We're going to give Danny Manning his points and try to shut down the rest of the team. And I kind of laughed. He said, you think I'm kidding? That's exactly the way I'm going to defense him. Going to give him his points. Let him do whatever he wants. And sure enough, Danny Manning set a tournament record of 42 points in that game, <laughs> and Kansas won it by three. Yep. Almost and, pulled that and didn't baby Kansas off. Kansas win the national championship. No, that year? no, they got knocked out. Uh, oh, and it was the next year, oh, the okay. next year that Oklahoma. they won in '88 uh, because they beat yep. Oklahoma up in okay. Kansas City. Uh, that was, but that year uh, they got knocked out. I think by Duke, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. But, yeah. but regardless of that, yeah. You mentioned once in a lifetime coaches, Ned. Not to speak ill of the departed, but can we hope that? Paul Lusk was once in a lifetime because I, <laughs> I can't live through that regime ever again. Paul was a great guy. Still I, is a great guy. He probably is, yeah. He is. And, and in all honesty, this is not meant, again, to be derogatory in any way. He may not be a head coach, but he's yes. a very good assistant coach. Yes, he's he assistant is. with the Creighton team right now. They're missing their head coach. Uh, <laughs> the a Creighton team that's very good, probably going to go to the NCAA. And uh, Lusk has had a uh, important role in bringing in some of these players. Uh, that's a team that's in a bit of turmoil, although without their head coach yesterday, they won big over Butler, beat Butler like a drum. And Anything coach, can happen. And you were talking about Coach Mox. Well, I don't want to do any disservice to the Missouri State women's team because they've had a, they've had a great season. They're Absolutely. nationally ranked and uh, looking forward to a big tournament run. They, yes. uh, they've completed the regular season. Now they, they walloped a very weak Evansville team twice this weekend. Excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, now they'll take practice this week and then head to Hoops in the Heartland. That's the women's tournament up in Moline, Illinois. And while I think the Lady Bears will win it with very little challenge, even if they don't, even if something happens, they are NCAA tournament bound. I'm going to tell you how good I think this team is. Now, when you put South Carolina and Texas A&M and the Colossus from Stewart's Connecticut on the court. <laughs> no, they're probably not there. But they are in a situation where they can beat some very good basketball teams. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to see them play Kelly Harper's Tennessee Lady Vols. Yes. Because I think this Lady Bears <laughs> team would beat them. They, I, I'm not blowing smoke. I think they would. I think you're and, right. And uh, some, some of the very good teams, the Iowas, the Iowa States, the Oklahomas, Jackie Siles is at Oklahoma. Lady Bears beat them last year. I think they can beat them again this year. They are that good, that talented. And I'm quite anxious to see what they do in the postseason. We have some really good women's basketball around here. And I know Stormy's sitting at home listening to the radio going, come on, talk about Drury, talk about Drury. And Mm -hmm. Drury has an outstanding women's basketball program. We don't want to give them any short service on this, too. They should be making an outstanding run in the tournament this year. They were picked to win the national championship last year, do you think they can do it this year? They could, sure. They're capable of doing that. They do have the one loss, which I don't know how in the world that happened, but <laughs> they uh, they do have a good team and and an expected good team. A player of the year, Paige Robinson, she's a very nice player. They're playing this afternoon. They're playing at 1 o'clock uh, over at the O'Reilly Family Events Center. That is their conference tournament championship game, but of even more surprise is that the men – are also playing yes. for oh, their really? conference championship. They went into the, uh, <laughs> this is a great story. Thursday night, they went into their first round game against Southwest Baptist up in Bolivar, a team that had slaughtered Drury twice this year. And Drury went in with seven players. That's all they had, starting five plus two guys on the bench. The rest had COVID protocol and injuries and things like that. Went up to Bolivar and beat Southwest Baptist wow. by two. 90, wow. 99 97. 
So they pack their bags, go to St. Louis, and play the top seed in the tournament yesterday, UMSL, Missouri-St. Louis, ran them out of the ballpark. Yep. Wow. And now they're playing for the championship today. And championship gains for them, both of them, both teams, men and women, automatic uh, into the regionals of Division Two. Yeah. Well, that's great. There's a lot of great college athletics going on in the area right now. Football, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Missouri State baseball. They're off to a good start yes, so far are. this season. We're until yesterday. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about a lot more of that. A roundtable discussion is coming up. Please stick with us. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It is Ned Talk. We are on 104.7 The Cave. You've got all the information about us now. You know what you need to know. We're going to talk sports. And, of course, we're your home for the AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll talk a little bit about Chiefs football. Anthony Sherman announced his retirement after 10 seasons, so the sausage will be gone. I personally don't think that the Chiefs used Anthony Sherman enough. Your thoughts? Well, he was, uh, you know, he he's a running back, yes, but he was a blocking back. He, he very rarely ever ran the ball. Big, big, cumbersome guy. Did play in all honesty, a very important role with the team in his blocking expertise. That he did well. I'll tell you where they did not use him that surprised the daylights out of me was for protection in the Super Bowl game itself. He was he was not at all present, and that was a bit of a surprise. Maybe one of the contributing factors to his retirement as well. But in terms of his overall impact on the Chiefs, he, he did play a role. It wasn't a headline role, but an important member of their championship efforts. I, there's an article posted on ESPN that is about uh, ESPN.com that's about why it's time for the Chiefs to invest in offensive line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How long have we said that on? We've the said show? that for a long time. Um, that's just the uh, topic of conversation around here. You've got to protect that investment that you've got behind the center there. Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz says that he is healthy and that he, he should be back in time for many camps. Have you heard anything about the doctor? He is, uh, no, nothing specific. He hasn't come right out and said that he's not going to play again. But this is a man who is a physician by choice. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif, and a, a, apparently a very astute physician. He opted out last year, guys, for the exact right reasons as he should have. Yes, he, he wanted to help combat the uh, COVID-19 spread. I think, uh, judging from what he did and what he has said in the past, I think he's more devoted to pursuing the medical profession than he is football. Again, not a prediction that he won't come back, but no, nothing specific has been said. What are you looking for the Chiefs to do in the draft, John? I think I said this last week. I'm looking for them to really, really pay attention to the offensive line. They've got to draft there. And, you know, other than that, when you look up and down, you know, what their needs are, quote unquote needs, I think they've got to look at the defense as well. They could use another, you know, another guy in the secondary that's quick. They could definitely use somebody else for that defensive line. They have areas where they can improve. Now, offensively, in my opinion, I don't know that there's much out there that's going to improve that. You've got stars at most of the offensive positions. You've got guys, as I've mentioned in the past, that would be, you know, a wide receiver two on most other NFL teams that are on the practice squad. So, you know, that being said, I think they really, really need to hone in on the offensive line and defense. The other way that the Chiefs can improve themselves, and it will be a difficult battle, will be through free agency. Do you see them making any free agency moves, Josh? Well, I, I don't know because I can't even think of any big free agents that are out there that could really help them. I I tend to agree with both of these guys. I think the offensive line is very important. I think they re- need to really think about if they're, the defensive players they have in place are going to do it for them uh, because I think maybe that is where they could pick up some talent on free agency. And I honestly think they got they got to let Sammy Watkins go. He's he's crunchy. He's he's broken all the time. <laughs> he's See, not under contract for next year. Yeah, and so. and so that I mean because if they had another top tier receiver that wasn't hurt all the time, 
That'd make a huge difference to me. You're going to have to let him go for another reason, too, and that's a salary cap. Mm-hmm. They are $23 million over the cap limit at the moment. Now, I do know, I understand this, that the salary cap is more <laughs> media-blown <laughs> than it is anything else because there no team has ever been penalized. No team ever has. Right. And the National Football League takes great measures to make sure no team is going to be over that salary cap. They have individuals who are assigned to warn each team when they're close mm-hmm. to make sure they don't go over it. They don't want to have that happen. <clears throat> so they take great uh, pains to guard against it. But having said that, $23 million over the cap means you've got to do some cutting and some juggling of contracts. Excuse me. <clears throat> And not all players, all most of them on the Chiefs are team-oriented. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are. And some, no, I'm not going to fool with my contract. No, uh, it's mm-hmm. going to stay right where it is. And as far as getting free agents are concerned, they're going to have to justify that when they sign these guys and keep within the space that they have. And the space this year is going to be $185 million. Sounds like a whole lot. It is not when you're dealing with some of these salaries and when you have a Tyreek Hill and a Kelsey and uh, what's the quarterback's name again? Yeah, Pat, <laughs> He's Pat something. Yeah. O- o- only worth about 53, <laughs> uh, not 53, $503 million. That's, and that's costly. Now, again, there are ways to get around all these sorts of things. But salary cap has to be taken very seriously and into consideration. Mm-hmm. Eric Fisher, Mitchell Swartz, Tardif, and Al Gretti are all under contract, all under contract. Alex Reeder is not currently under contract. Hmm. And, I, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that I would like to see them make a move for somebody on the defensive side of the ball, especially in that defensive line, because mm-hmm. uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, to me, just don't get the job done. Not a matter of that, guys. Uh, it, it, they do, they try. But you have to remember now, those guys have taken a physical beating, especially Clark, he comes over from the Seattle Seahawks, and he had his episodes there as well. Mm-hmm. He only goes so far in pro football because of the, the, the physical contact that you take. Mm-hmm. This is mostly for running backs, but it really holds true for every single player. And with Jones, who is a big guy, really big guy, your rate of attrition is probably going to be accelerated a little bit when you're when you're that size. The same holds true for their offensive line. Talk about mm-hmm. Fisher and guy. Fisher's trying to come off an Achilles tendon yes, tear of yes. all things. That takes some time. Uh, Schwartz had back problems. Who's not to say that's going to happen again? Schwartz. I wonder how many realize this in the game against the Buffalo Bills when he was knocked out of it. Now, I can't remember. This is not the playoff game, but the regular season game mm-hmm. that ended a streak of 134 consecutive starts. Started with the Browns mm-hmm. and comes over to Kansas City. That takes its toll in its own right when you're playing that level and that number of consecutive games. It's a, it's a physically challenging circumstance. There's some big names on the un, unsigned players right now. Let's go over some of those names to get your thoughts on them, Ned. Rashad Breland and Daniel Sorensen, both on that list. Well, Sorensen's been around and a very effective player. They call him, was it Dirty Dan? Dirty Dan. <laughs> yeah. That's not meant to be a negative. He just, the way he gets in there and puts his nose to the grindstone. Breland, of course, had his legal problems last year, didn't even play for four games, first four games, and never really was all that much of a contributing factor. I, I am not sure they won't. Bid sayonara to both of them. Okafor and Taco Charlton on the defensive line. Okafor, Okafor has never achieved what the Chiefs thought that he would. He's a Texas All-America, University of Texas All-America, uh, and then comes over from, a, I think, the Houston Texans, if I'm not mistaken. But with the Chiefs, he never, he's been good, but not great. Now, Taco Charlton's a Michigan State kid mm-hmm. and can play. He just hasn't been given the opportunity. I think they look more at him as a contributor than anybody else. Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson in the wide receiver core. Sayonara. You see both, both of them both going? Both of them, yeah. Okay. Anthony Sherman, we've talked about. He's retired. Le'Veon Bell, do you see them bringing him back? Nope. No. It'd no be chance. foolish if they did. <laughs> and the quarterback situation, they're really set there. They have everybody uh, signed to deals for the next season. And, of course, all the big names, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, they're all signed to contracts. But 
Again, I agree with all you guys that I think they have some work to do on that offensive line. We'll be back in just a minute. We'll start our roundtable discussion. Today, we're going to discuss the Hall of Fame and PEDs. So hang around for that right here on (laughs) 104.7 The Cave. It's Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We are in spring, close to spring. It's not quite there yet officially. The weather's very spring-like, but... It puts you in the mind of baseball, and we're watching some baseball as we sit in the studio. Houston Astros, Houston Asterix leading the St. Louis Cardinals one nothing. bottom of the third inning. Adam Wainwright looking good. Our roundtable discussion, if you're a radio salesperson out there, by the way, we'd love to have this sponsored. Uh, our roundtable discussion today is PEDs and the Hall of Fame, and uh, those phrases together ned what's it bring to mind to you well it uh, what it brings to mind is the baseball uh, writers association who votes for these candidates never giving any of these ped or alleged ped users any kind of uh, a nod your your introduction to this joe is very interesting should they be in the in the hall of fame well that's that's a moot point because it's the baseball writers who make that decision the and and the Hall of Fame has only their one rule. Their one rule for not including somebody in the Hall of Fame is that that person is banned from Major League Baseball. That's the only rule they have. You have to be banned from Major League Baseball not to be considered. Well, many of the PED users are not banned from Major uh, Major League Baseball. There is a rule that says that if you violate PED protocol three times, you are banned Mm -hmm. from anything to do with the MLB. But as far as the previous users are concerned, I have to give them a nod. In my opinion, the baseball, and again, this is speaking as a non-baseball writer, but the individuals should have every opportunity to be included and voted in under the uh, protocol and the regimen that they have right now. John, your thoughts? This is a very pointed topic each year, especially when we're just coming off the you know Hall of Fame voting, and Kurt Schilling was one of those controversial individuals who was on the ballot. My opinion is, do I support PED use? No. There are some things that I think people need to be clear on. So tomorrow, if Josh and I start taking steroids and do nothing else, nothing will change. I can't hit a baseball any further. I can't do anything. The type of steroids we're talking about are the type of steroids that help you recover more quickly from workouts and from injuries. And part of that, and I'm going to throw Major League Baseball under the bus here, when we're talking about Mark McGuire in that home run chase, he had injury problems at that point. It was in their best interest to have him on the field. I can go back to a game where I went where I saw a, a young girl who was in tears and her dad was explaining to the public relations desk that they needed a refund because they came to see Mark McGuire and he was out that day. So, you know, that being said, that's one way I look at that. The other thing I want people to be cognizant of, whether it's Keith Hernandez and Dave Parker in court in the 80s for cocaine use during games, whether it's Babe Ruth talking about the magic dust that they would put in his water for games, whether it's Hank Aaron and Ernie Banks talking about greenies and uppers for double headers and to keep them more alert. There is always going to be a competitive advantage no matter what is banned out there. We're not talking about cork bats. We're not talking about anything else. We are talking about supplements that aid performance. And for some reason, compared to football and other sports, baseball really gets you know, taken to the carpet on this. I think there is a level of coordination. There is a level of athleticism being able to hit a ball, being able to throw a ball like that, that steroids do not assist with. They're now gone. You cannot penalize and pick and choose who used and who didn't. Why 
are Frank Thomas and Jeff Bagwell exempt from this conversation? They were big guys. Just because they weren't named on the Mitchell Report doesn't mean they weren't with another supplier and taking the exact same things. So I think you're on a very slippery slippery slope not letting these guys be enshrined. They were the stars of an era. I don't think you can disqualify them. Josh and I talked about this yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last night. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with John. I think that you can look at every era of baseball, and there is a PED that was used. I mean, it was cocaine with Ty Cobb. It was <laughs> amphetamine with Hank Aaron, like you said. It was cocaine again in the 80s. You know, I mean, performance enhanced. These guys are top-level athletes that need, want, desire to retain that top level of performance. So if something comes along that helps that, they're going to try it. They're going to do it, especially if it has a good result. And then it's the responsibility of the organization, the MLB, to decide if that's okay or not. And so I believe that these guys should not be kept out of the Hall of Fame if their statistics reach those thresholds that we talked about a couple weeks ago. If they've hit those levels, you put them in, you go on about your business. I think part of the problem is what Ned is saying, you know, the writers are the ones that vote on the Hall of Fame. I think a lot of those guys have sour grapes attitudes <laughs> about, you think? about athletes because they weren't <laughs> athletes themselves or weren't top-level athletes or whatever. And so I think they are punishing these guys unfairly because they feel like that's an affront to them. And what they need to understand is it's a, it's a professional sport. It's for the fans. Fans want to see home runs. That's why baseball had the success that it had in 98 with that home run race between McGuire and Sosa. And and even though everybody hates Barry Bonds, he put a lot of fans in the seats the year that he broke that record. Yes, he did. And so, you know, put the rules in place, enforce the rules more uh, the way that you say you're going to enforce them. Don't, don't give a guy a cup on Tuesday and say you have a urine test on Friday. That's not – random drug testing if you're going to enforce it really enforce it and then go on about your business because it does not there's no way that adding 10 pounds of muscle mass is going to make your bat speed faster Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. sure if you hit the ball it's going to go farther you still have to hit it and then the other side of that is the pitchers there were so many pitchers using steroids How's that helping them? It may help them throw the ball a little bit faster, but more often than not, it's what John was saying. It's preventing them from being on the DL so they can get their fifth-day start instead of it having to be a seven- or eight-day start. Exactly. I want I want so hard to start a debate here, but I can't. I agree 110% with what these guys are saying, and I think the biggest faux pas of the whole circumstance is my profession, the yes. media. They have portrayed an individual, he took steroids. That made him 800 times better than everybody. <laughs> no, it did not. You've got, you've got to train, and you've got to condition yourself, and you have to be as diligent as ever. And, yes, it gives you a bit of an edge. Yeah. Uh, it will make you – know, I had a question asked me one time, why was anabolic steroids ever started? Well, it started for medical reasons, uh, individuals who were – have had burns, had mm-hmm. bad burns, and waste, uh, had some kind of wasting process to their physique, cancer uh, survivors who need to put back tissue and so forth and so on. That's what anabolic steroids are for. Mm-hmm. But it will provide muscle mass. But it doesn't automatically do it. You've got to work hard. There is no such thing as a dedicated athlete ever, ever, who has not tried to find the winning edge. Exactly. And the winning edge in this case may be, I'm 100%. These guys achieved what they did. Bonds hit his 762 home runs. Uh, the other individuals all all achieving at a high level. Hall of Famers. They are Hall of Famers. One quick note to, you know, a lot of people look at steroids like spinach to Popeye. And (laughs) one of the things that I want to emphasize is guys like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire were gym rats. The footage of their workouts were insane. They still worked to get these physiques just like anybody else that was working out. And, Ned, you'll appreciate this as somebody that's been around baseball. Mention the name Brady Anderson to a lot of people. Brady Anderson was a good player. He was a good defensive outfielder, you know, usually good for 10 to 15 home runs a year. 
Suddenly, during the rage of the steroid era, he hits 49 home runs. Then he stopped working because he parlayed that into a contract and went right back down to the 11 or 12. So the argument that, well, you know, these guys shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, that doesn't carry weight with me when they've put in the work to be better. Here's the disagreement, Mm -hmm. because I completely disagree with the three of you. Sure. First of all, the main group of athletes that you're talking about, guys that are not going to the Hall of Fame, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, and um, Roger Clemens, Clemens, Mm -hmm. they're unrepentant cheaters. If any of the four of those guys came out and said, you know what? I used steroids. I shouldn't have. It was against the rules or it wasn't against the rules. I just shouldn't have done it. I should. I'm sorry. I should have been on the field. I should have been. I should have not done this. They'd be in the hall of fame, but they're unrepentant cheaters. And because of that, they're not in the hall of fame. Now you look, we talked about this last night. You look at a guy that's going to come up with the ballot I don't know, in the next couple of years, Andy Pettit. Mm-hmm. Andy Pettit, I'm sorry. I did this. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And people have a different viewpoint of him than they have of a guy like Roger Clemens or a guy like Barry Bonds. Now, I know what Ned's going to say. He's going to say, well, it's the media because these guys it weren't is. these guys <laughs> because these guys weren't media darlings. But you know what? They weren't warm and fuzzy with anybody. They're not warm and fuzzy with fans. That's true. And I I strongly feel like if they would if any of these guys would come out and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this, mm-hmm. they'd probably go in the Hall of Fame. But instead, they're doing the same thing that Pete Rose has done. I'm smarter than you, I'm arrogant, and it's a middle finger to baseball, it's a middle finger to the fans, and it's a middle finger to the press. Only partially, because when they were doing it, it was not against the rules. Mm-hmm. Rose violation yes, was yes yes now but, I, but joe it's still a moot point because it is not our decision it right. is the baseball <laughs> writers and it's solely the baseball and writers. they are the protectors of that hall of fame and i strongly believe i strongly believe i mean there's idiotic things that the writers do with the hall of fame vote but i'm a strong believer that why the baseball hall of fame matters and why we care about baseball records is because it's sacred to us. It's woven into the fabric of our of our country, of our people. We know these things. You can't. You. It's hard to find somebody that can tell you the passing yardage for what's the most passing yardage in a season, the most touchdown passes in a season. Seven, Some, seven in, a, in a game. Well, there's Ned. Yeah. Weird Ned. Weird Ned. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not including you. But right. you're the I, outlier but, here. But when you right. find there's people that know the Cy Young records, they know the strikeout mm-hmm. records, they know the win records. They know that's more common. That's part of our fabric, and I agree with that protection of it. So while stupid things are done, I think it's for the right reason. And I think if these guys would just say, you know what? I was dumb and I did it. And here's the competitive advantage. Barry Bonds doesn't hit all those home runs if he plays like everybody else and can't get back out on the field. And that's just that's just a fact. That's just a fact. That's what makes good sports talk. We disagree. Yep. We'll be back in a minute to wrap up the show. It's Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Ned left in tears <laughs> when we were doing the commercial break. He was upset. My jaw hurts. Why did you hit me that hard, Joe? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, but that's, you know, I don't, I, in doing this show... I don't want to be at the, the you know the four guys that sit here and agree on everything. No, 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 and, that's, and that's what I love. And we were talking during the commercial break that that's what I love about baseball mm-hmm. is that the the records matter and what we think about it matters. And the and you know, there's some years honestly when we get back to the start of the NFL season, I go, who won the Super Bowl last year? <laughs> who played in it? Exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. and so and and I always remember. Oh gosh, you know it was you know the Dodgers won the Asterisk World Series last year, so mm-hmm. you know. So I that's what I love about it, I, uh, that, and that's why I love baseball because I think it I think it really matters to people. It, does. it really does. It truly is unique compared. And I, to, like, and I won't all say that. Sports. And I won't say that. You know that football doesn't matter to people oh, or basketball not. Not doesn't matter to people. Little. It's just it's baseball has this and difference. Here is the magic to what Joe said. 
if we weren't talking about it and it didn't matter, that would be worst of all. Exactly. Yeah, that's apathy. right. You do not want apathy, and mm-hmm. I'm afraid apathy. If and I'm going to stretch this to uh, just about a year from now, when the contract starts talking and they go on strike or do whatever the happens to be, and the audience decides to get apathetic about it, oh God, please don't let that happen. Please. Yeah. I hope with all the with everything that's happened over the last year. That people, that baseball people, both sides, the owners and the players, realize, you know, that this this partnership is not just between them. It's it's a three way partnership with the fans yes, too, and that the fans have to be there. It doesn't work. But as important a figure as he is in baseball, uh, Bob Nightingale, who's the top writer, I asked him about that recently, and he said they don't care. They don't care yeah. about the fans. Each side is in it for the best that each side can do. And until the audience shows its disdain for the game itself and doesn't show up, it's going to continue to happen. I want, well, yeah, and, I, I want sports arrogance to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be great if it did. Yeah. And, be- and, Ned, tell that to the NHL who was experiencing mm. unheard of growth until two work stoppages and now is relegated to the second page of fans. ESPN. And, and was it they shut down for one year? Yeah. They shut down for a whole year in what, 2005, uh, 2006? They canceled the season over $2.5 million of salary cap. Correct. $2.5 million is they couldn't agree on. Neither side would budge when they got to that close, and they canceled the whole season because of it. Gentlemen, it's what uh, I'm 80 years old. I can say these things now. <laughs> it's the most destructive agent in all of the world, E-G-O. Correct. Oh, well, there's another agent that's mixed in there, and it's called G-R-E-E-D. Same thing. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's amazing because what we see, especially in baseball, is these astronomical salaries, $300 million. You're you're looking at possible $500 million for some of these guys, and then the owners will pay it and then turn around the next year and cry that they don't have any money. Exactly. Now, Joe, stop with the first syllable of the first word that you use there. Use astronomical? Yes. First syllable. Thank yes. you. That says it all. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. We have a we had a great talk today. We did. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we will see you guys next Sunday for another edition of Ned Talk. Ned, see ya. Yes, sir. Go, go mow that lawn. Uh, on the way. <laughs> okay. John, we'll see you. Absolutely. Happy weekend, everyone. We'll see you, Josh. Yeah. Stormy will be back next week. I want to say thanks to Mike the Intern, Scott Meyer, Corbin Campbell, and Nick Fury. If you missed the show, you can download it as a podcast at 1047thecave.com. Music on the way next.